You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. I am here. Aaron is here. Good Monday to everybody. This show's brought to you by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. Uh, the Nats, uh, Aaron, saved the weekend with a day three win over the Dodgers. Uh, yesterday, the Braves are in town tonight for the first of a monster set uh, with Atlanta with the trade deadline looming. Um, Tommy will be in tomorrow. How about Steven Strasburg yesterday? Another gem. He took over the major league lead in wins with his 14th win. He's 14-4 and four after a powerful seven-inning performance. He struck out nine, walked none, and held the Dodgers lineup to one run in two hits. 67 of his 100 pitches were strikes. He has been sensational over the last month to two months. Um, Dave Martinez was gushing over Strasburg afterwards, saying that he is everything you can imagine a star pitcher being. By the way, is it nuts to throw out that Strasburg is in the Cy Young discussion? Is that crazy? Because I know his ERA isn't anywhere near where Ryu's is. Um, Strasburg yesterday improved his ERA to 3.26, but he is second in strikeouts to Scherzer. Uh, he's right there in whip. Um, he is, you know, leads the league in wins. And I know, you know, what uh, many people think about wins and losses with respect to that being a pitcher, st- uh, starting pitcher statistic. Um, but he's been incredible. Is it crazy that he should be in the discussion for the Cy Young? It's not crazy. And he's right now, if we held it right now, he would get votes. But Ryu's numbers, and especially his ERA, is just so overwhelming. That what is his ERA right now? It's under two, it's right? It's 1.74 oh, compared to 3.26 yeah. for Strasburg. So he's, he's the overwhelming favorite right now. But if you had the vote right now, Strasburg might be getting most of the second place votes. Yeah, oh, maybe. Although, you know, we still have a lot of season left sure. for Scherzer to come back and, and be. Because really, it's been a debate about Ryu or Scherzer. I just think that Strasburg has been so good um, for the Nats. And he won't pitch against the Braves uh, the next three nights. Corbin gets the start tonight uh, against Keuchel. Um, but three huge games against the Braves before a long road trip, which includes Arizona, the Red Hot Giants, and then the Mets who surprisingly made the the biggest trade deadline deal so far, trading for Toronto starter Marcus Stroman. I, I don't get what they're doing. Well, it, it's completely – I mean, they, those were two really good prospects that they're doing. Presumably they're playing for 2020 and they saw Stroman having, you know, having the contract at 2020. But it, it's a very weird one for that team. They've won four in a row um, to get back to within five games of 506 out in the wild card. It's sort of where the Nats were at this point last year. Not 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 losing record wise, but um, with respect to the wild card race, and they decided not to make you know any big moves. Um, and the Mets, I don't know if this is a future trade or not, but he certainly gives them hope. Um, you know, in a starting lineup with that already includes DeGrom and Syndergaard. So if somehow they're thinking, hey, if we can get to 85 wins, if we can get to 86, 87 wins, we've got a shot to be in a wild card, and Stroman helps us get us there. But that was a shocker um, yesterday. Uh, and Tommy will be in tomorrow, and we'll talk much more about the trade deadline. Tommy wrote his, his column uh, in the Times saying this is really the – the the learners deal here they've got to be aggressive they've got to spend 
to put themselves into title contention um, before this trade deadline going after bullpen help. All right, the big story um, since we left is, well, two of them really. The Redskins started training camp. Um, my feeling about training camp is what it's been for years. I know I know what the numbers are with respect to how many people you know really are into training camp versus the people who are barely paying attention and say, you know, tell me when the season starts against the Eagles. That's when I'm going to really delve into this. And, but, you know, at the same time, it is the beginning of football season and you got a lot of things happening. You got injuries going on in various places. Look at the Giants over the last couple of days, losing receivers. Um, they're in, in a dire situation after the first few, few days of camp. AJ Green was lost in Cincinnati for a significant period of time. RG3 got hurt fractured his thumb. Um, He's out four to eight weeks, which will set him back, especially with Trace McSorley there. Um, McSorley's another guy that can play quarterback in in a similar way to Lamar Jackson, not with the same speed. Um, But I know Griffin was making progress. And for those of you who are still massive RG3 fans, look, one of the things we've always talked about is can he ever stay healthy enough to have a chance? And it's just never happened. During the course of his career, he's always had that track body that has looked breakable from the beginning, and it has broken down multiple times. I think this is the first time he's done something that didn't have to do with legs um, or knees, um, but still a fractured thumb on his throwing hand will keep him out for a while. I did find it very interesting because this was very RG3-esque that RG3 put the full uniform on anyway and showed up for practice with the fractured thumb even though he couldn't practice. Um, He was ready to roll just like he was before that Cleveland game and the infamous Cleveland game in 2012 when he was ruled out, but he showed up uh, an hour before and was running wind sprints to, to prove to Dan that he was ready to go. Dan went to Mike and said, Mike, Robert's ready to go, and, and and Mike looked at Dan and said, zero chance. The doctor told us he cannot play today. We will rely on the doctor. Um, but that is a true story um, that Dan really pushed Mike and was not happy um, that Mike would not suit Robert up for that game. And we know how Robert felt after that game, taking the press conference podium after a game in which he did not play to address the media, and he wasn't happy uh, that day. Um, anyway, training camp is underway and we've got the quarterback stuff going on, but the big story really of the last couple of days is Trent Williams. Uh, by the way, JP Finley will join the podcast here shortly and he's been down there. So we'll get, uh, his thoughts on, on everything that's going down, going on at camp as well. So Trent Williams is still not in training camp in Richmond. And Jason Lockenfora, who reported on this many months ago, um, put out a tweet over the weekend, and I'll read it to you um, if you didn't see it. Quote, as I reported months ago, the relationship between Trent Williams and Skins is totally fractured. He doesn't trust Bruce Allen or the medical team uh, or the medical team there and made it known long ago he does not intend to play for them again. That was the tweet that Lock and Four put out. Now, since he put that out, Jason Lock and Four has made it a point to say, look, it's not like there was anything new to this story. It was just sort of a re-emphasis of the story from a few months ago. Um, but he did say totally fractured um, and says that does not intend to play for the team again. The Redskins immediately, from a public relations standpoint, came out with a statement from Tony Wiley, their PR head. 
And they said, quote, uh, the report is 100% false, closed quote. So they do not believe that Jason Lockenfor is right. And many of you do not think he's right either. You think Jason's got an axe to grind with the Redskins, that he hates the Redskins. He covered the Redskins for years with the Post, and and he doesn't. He's not a fan of the Redskins at all. Jason lives in Baltimore and is a fan of the Ravens more so than, you know, he'll tell you he's not a fan of anything, and that may be true. Um, I, I've always liked Jason because I find him to be fearless, and and I find him, to, as a beat reporter for the Redskins, to have been one of the best ever. I, Mike Jones and, and Jason Lockenfora in recent years, um, have been uh, excellent beat reporters um, for the Redskins. and But a lot of you just said, ah, Lock and Fours, you know, uh, axe to grind with the Redskins. He hates the Redskins, and this is him just drumming up anti-Redskins stuff. Well, you can think that, but boy, would that be naive, right, based on the facts. Um, and he may have this wrong, but let's look at the facts. Trent is not at training camp. He's not there. Uh, why isn't he there? Well, he's not there because either he thinks they didn't handle his medical situation well and doesn't trust the medical, or he wants a new contract, or there's a third possibility that both of them, both the medical and the contract issue, are in play here. And Trent Williams is a holdout right now. So Jason Lockenford didn't put that report out, and Trent Williams is with the team practicing. He's not with the team. He's holding out right now. Secondly, we have the report from over a year ago from USA Today. Remember this poll of NFL agents? Do you remember who the least trusted NFL executive was? Bruce Allen. Do you know what the third worst team in the league was when it came to the question about which team is prepared during contract negotiations? The worst? Bengals, Browns, Redskins. In order, Bruce Allen, the least trusted football executive in in the entire NFL. So there's a lot out there that suggests that Jason Lockenfor's report about Trent Williams um, and the relationship being fractured with the Redskins and does not intend to play for them again, and most importantly, doesn't trust Bruce Allen. There's just a lot of stuff out there that would lead you to believe, if you're being objective, that this could, or more likely than not, is true. He's not there. Lock and Fora is report. He's not there. We have the poll from a year ago indicating that Bruce Allen is not trusted. We know that Mason Foster didn't trust Bruce Allen, and other players have had issues with Bruce Allen, including Kirk Cousins when he was here. All right, we know that Bruce Allen is a tough negotiator. He is going to get every nickel he can in a negotiation. There are things about Bruce that I like. I think this organization, from a financial responsibility um, standpoint, is much better than they were before Bruce got here. But it hasn't worked either. We've gone through this many times in the past. The overspending for big names exiting their prime didn't work. And the underspending for non-primetime players where you're getting a great deal, that hasn't worked either. We know that right now this organization is in a place in which they just went through an offseason where if Landon Collins hadn't been a massive Sean Taylor fan, the Redskins may have completely struck out in terms of big-name free agents. 
They tried this year. We know they tried. They tried to make a deal for Antonio Brown. They tried to go get Golden Tate, who, by the way, got suspended for four games. Did you see that story? Uh, Giants in in big trouble at receiver to start the season. Um, But you had coaches that were leaving here um, and coaches who wouldn't come here. Now, a lot of that's Dan. A lot of that is Bruce as well. So... A lot of you ask me, what do you think? Do you know anything as it re- as it relates to the Lock and Fora report? I don't know anything new. I reached out to a few people uh, over the last couple of days that might know something that I've talked to in the past about this situation. They still believe what I had mentioned a couple of months ago, and that they still believe that this is more about a new deal, a new contract, than anything else. They also aren't overly optimistic about this ending anytime soon because they don't think Bruce is going to give in on a new contract. I'm glad he's not going to give in on a new contract. I don't think Trent Williams deserves a new contract right now. I think his contract is good enough for where he is in the league right now. Um, it's top seven in terms of, of of overall value of the contract. To me, maybe he deserves a little bit more, but not at this age, not with the injury history. This team has put a lot of faith into Trent Williams in the past. You know, Trent Williams hasn't been the most reliable, as we know from the suspensions in the past, and yet the team continued to reward him. They've done a lot for Trent Williams. I do not have a problem with Bruce's position about not paying Trent Williams a new deal. I don't think it would be a good football move at this point. Now, if you had a team that was a contending team in 2019, I don't believe that they are. I might feel differently about getting Trent Williams signed because clearly his absence is going to hurt this football team. You you don't replace Trent Williams. Not with what they have. They're nowhere near close to replacing him. They won't be able to replace him. They won't have a player that's anywhere near where Trent Williams is at his best. But they're not going to contend this year. The irony of it is is that we've heard Bruce Allen say over and over again about how close they are. Um, Yet he still is not going to budge on giving Trent a new deal or trying to um, get Trent to give in a little bit with a new deal. Maybe Trent doesn't trust, but maybe a new deal would make him trust more or certainly make him put the trust issue into the background and put the new deal into the foreground. But I don't think Bruce is going to give him a new contract. I don't think he should give him a new contract. But in terms of knowing anything new, I really don't know anything new. The people that I trust have said all along that they think it's more of a contract issue than a medical issue, um, and they don't think Bruce will budge. My sense of it is is that I think that there is distrust for Bruce Allen among many in the organization, maybe even including some of the staff. All right, so I personally don't know why Bruce Allen is there. I, I advocated, hoped. Um, thought that he would have been gone after 2018. He's still there. We've talked about the reasons why he might still be there. You know, the, the reasons where he is really cover for Snyder. Snyder's become a recluse um, in, in terms of league functions, league meetings, public persona, public um, availability. The la- I can't remember the last time we heard from Dan Snyder in terms of hearing his voice. You know, we've heard, we've gotten quotes you know, in a press release. I can't remember the last time Dan Snyder was interviewed. He is a public relations recluse. And Bruce 
has given him the opportunity to be that where I think the owner is more comfortable. I don't think it is comfortable for him to be a speaker, to be the face of the organization. And Bruce has sort of become that. Personally, I think the best public face for the organization is Jay Gruden. He has the best demeanor. He's the best communicator. He is self-deprecating. He's got a sense of humor. He is likable. Everything that Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen are not. Now, is he a great coach? No, he's not that, unfortunately. It would be great if Jay Gruden was also, in addition to those things, an excellent football coach. I think he's an average football coach as a head coach. And I think they'll end up doing or or trying to do better. Who knows if they will be able to do better. And part of the reason that you've got to be concerned about this organization moving forward with Bruce Allen is in it, and with Dan Snyder as the owner, is are they ever going to be able to attract high-quality people and professionals with this group? of Dan and Bruce. It's it's a reasonable question to ask. What do I think happens with this Trent Williams situation? I think there's a 60% chance he'll be in uniform against the Eagles. I do. And that would be without a new deal. I do not think Bruce will budge on not giving him a new deal. Now, maybe Dan gets in the middle of this thing, which he probably should, um, but I don't want the Redskins to give Trent Williams a new deal. I don't think he deserves a new deal. I am very sorry for him if this was a a terrible life scare with the, the, the growth on his scalp. And if the team handled that poorly in terms of the way they communicated it to him or the timing in which they communicated it to him, uh, I totally understand his position on that. I'm, I can only imagine that if there were you know hours or even days where he thought he might have a malignant tumor a malignant tumor on his head, how that would be a tremendous scare. And if the team was responsible for leading him to believe that that was a possibility, or perhaps not leading him to believe enough about the situation, and and it was a serious situation, I, I don't know how the team failed, but perhaps they did fail. And if it is about the medical, and he doesn't trust the medical, and he doesn't trust the people in the organization... I, 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 it's hard not to understand his position if indeed the team screwed up on that front. But if this is about a new contract, uh-uh. Don't give him a new contract. Again, back to like what I think will happen. 60% chance he'll be in uniform against the Eagles. I, I just think typically these things get worked out because of the money. He doesn't want to give up those big game checks. So I still think more likely than not, all right, not by an overwhelming you know, more likely than not, but a 60% chance he'll be in uniform against the Eagles for the opener. I think there's a 30% chance that they trade him before the opener. And this is what I want personally. I think over the next two, three weeks, there's going to be a team out there that thinks that they've got a chance to do damage this year, but they need a left tackle. Either they already need one right now, or they lose um, a, a key offensive lineman, a key tackle, a key left tackle, and they get desperate. And the Redskins may be able to pounce on that opportunity. And if they're being patient right now and waiting for that opportunity, good for them. Good for them. Because they shouldn't rush this thing. You know, the, there's going to be an opportunity more likely than not, if he is on the trade block, 
that they may be able to seriously consider as something that would be advantageous for the team moving forward in the long term. I view everything right now with this organization you know, beyond the fact that I'm not very bullish on ownership or the team president, and I think that that's a limiting factor for this franchise moving forward. But just looking at the roster, I'm much more in favor of thinking long-term and 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 feeling like they're not a contender this year. They probably won't be a contender in 2020. Let's get the key players in this organization that have true value. Let's get the value back for them right now. Let's acquire picks Let's get a first-rounder from a desperate team in mid-August for Trent Williams that could be leveraged into a big-time starter when the team is ready to contend. Because Trent Williams, by the time this organization is ready to contend, is going to be 33 years old and through this this contract. That's my feeling. Uh, I think there's a, there's a 10% chance he's still in the midst of a holdout when we get to opening day. So 60% chance he'll be in uniform against the Eagles, 30% chance he gets traded before opening day, and a 10% chance he is still holding out. Um, usually the players do not want to give up game checks, which is why I put the continued holdout when the regular season begins in the lowest percentage of prop- probability. But make no mistake, the bigger issue with all of this is Bruce Allen and the negative impact that he's having on this organization right now. There, whether this is all about medical or all about money, it's not. he's not the first. And we know that Bruce Allen is not a trusted league, league executive. Now, I've talked to people before who say Bruce Allen is very competent at being a league administrative executive, not necessarily on the football side. You know, we've had people on, um, Joe Banner's been on the podcast before. We've had people who have been, he, you know, have been peers of his that will say Bruce Allen's a professional and does a lot of things very professionally, but nobody really will tout his football acumen in terms of player evaluation and player acquisition. Um, but right now, if Trent Williams, the argued leader of this team and the most talented player on this team, if he's got a major problem with Bruce Allen, others do. I think we sort of have a sense of as Redskin fans that others have had that feeling in the past about Bruce, and we know what the USA Today poll said um, just over a year ago. Um, They have tried to replace uh, Trent Williams here. Not replace him. They have tried to bring in players who can play left tackle until Trent Williams gets back, if he gets back. Um, Corey Robinson was brought in and actually signed. They were having conversations and brought in Donald Penn for a workout, and it's still, you know, there's still a chance that they could end up signing Donald Penn. That was the guy, and some of you gave me credit for this on Twitter. I don't deserve the credit. Cooley does. I just reiterated what Cooley had told me um, months ago when the Trent Williams story first uh, came to light. And that is that Donald Penn is totally capable of playing left tackle in the NFL, and he's available as a free agent even though he's 36 years old. But he has had in recent years some. He got hurt last year. Okay, he got hurt last year, but he he had very productive 2016 and 2017 seasons. He was a Pro Bowler in 2016 and 2017 with the Oakland Raiders. He is the one guy that's out there that if they were to sign him, 
he could start against the Eagles on opening day if they don't have Trent Williams. Eric Flowers cannot be considered a legitimate starting possibility at left tackle. I don't even think Eric Flowers wants to start at left tackle. Jerron Christian, more likely than not, is not a possibility at left tackle for the opener. Um, the Redskins will be in serious. I think they're in serious trouble already offensively. Um, but without you know Trent Williams at left tackle and without a competent replacement like a Donald Penn, uh, they're going to have major issues along their offensive line. Uh, anyway, um, the quarterback situation through the first few days sounds like Haskins had a good weekend. Um, Colt McCoy is the most re- relied upon uh, or the most trusted for Jay Gruden and Case Keenum's making progress. We'll get to J.P. Finley here momentarily. Qu- uh, quick word about window nation. The intense summer heat, by the way, is back. Uh, it causes your old leaky windows to produce unnecessary high energy bills, allowing damaging UV rays to fade your valuables and make your windows even less effective. Well, listen up. While the kids are perhaps still at camp and families are still taking vacation. My good friends, Harley, Aaron, Eric at Window Nation, the ones with more than 80,000 satisfied customers, including me, and an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. They've got extra capacity, and right now they've got to keep their factory busy, their installers working. So for the first time ever, not only will you get one window free for every window you buy, no minimum or maximum purchase required, on all style of windows, by the way, Um, But you don't have to have uh, a down payment, no payment of any kind, and no interest paid for 24 months. First time they've ever done that. Buy now, start saving now, literally pay nothing for two years. Trust the window company I trust and visit windownation.com or call 1-866-90-NATION to get one free window for every window you buy, plus no down payment, no payments of any kind, and no interest for 24 months. Call soon, 866-90-NATION. The sale ends, this sale ends on July 31st. All right, let's bring in J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington. Uh, He's been in Richmond since camp has started. And there are two stories right now that we're really, you know, that the fan base is very interested in. The Trent Williams story, which we'll start with, and then, you know, how the quarterbacks are doing. And we'll get to that um, following Trent Williams. Jason Lockenfora puts out this report or this tweet last week, which he says really wasn't anything new, but more of just an emphasis on what he had reported a while back, um, saying that the relationship between Trent Williams and the Redskins is totally fractured. He doesn't trust Bruce Allen or the medical team and made it known long ago he does not intend to play for them again. Meantime, the Redskins responded with Tony Wiley saying... The report was, quote, 100% false. What do you know? What do you think? I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think like most things, the truth somewhere in the middle. And, and I'm not going to protect, I haven't talked to Trent. I'm not sure anyone has. I have tried uh, frequently. I, like even last week was his birthday. I texted him happy birthday, which is typically something he would respond. No response. So, you know, all of this is kind of speculation. I don't... When Lockett Forest says completely fractured, that stands out. That, and, and I know he said that's the same thing he said you know, six weeks ago or whatever, but that is stronger language. The relationship is completely broken. I think we've all been operating under the scenario that Trent is upset about a medical issue, certainly, and he's upset about his contract, but that none of this is unfixable. I, I think the team 
still believes that. I, in on-record and off-record conversations I've had with them, you know, Jay Gruden has been optimistic about him coming back. Morgan Moses on Sunday at the podium sounded relatively optimistic about when, when Trent's coming back. I, I, one guy I'd really like to talk to is Adrian Peterson, but we've been told he's not going to talk until his current legal situation kind of figures itself out. But when you hear the words completely fractured and that he's not going to rejoin the team, we're not hearing from Trent. It, it, it's hard. It, it's hard to say definitively one thing or the other, but basically my, I think what Redskins fans should be most concerned about, if this thing really is Trent versus Bruce in some sort of epic stare down, there's kind of some history of what Bruce has done in these situations. If you look at how he handled Kirk Cousins, it, it, it was a guy that refused to blink, that refused to give in. And I, whether or not you think Kirk deserved the money, the deal he got from the Vikings, the Redskins didn't handle it properly when Kirk was with Washington. And, and I think that started by lowballing him early on, then, then going to the franchise tags, all of these things. So there's, there's reason to worry if this really is a stare down between Bruce and Trent. One of the differences, I think, is that Trent has two years left on his deal. I, I think... If it was one year, like, everybody points to Le'Veon Bell, but it was only a one-year situation. Trent has two years left on his deal. I don't think there's any way he doesn't play football for the next two seasons. I, I think he loves football. He loves being out there with his teammates. Not to mention there's nearly $30 million on the line. So the idea of Trent just never playing again, I, I think you can close that door. That's not going to happen. What did Morgan Moses say uh, the other day and Jay Gruden that led you to believe that maybe there's some hope here? Gruden's optimism was the opening presser of camp. So that was almost a week ago now. And he just said, you know, we expect him here. We really want to have him here. We hope to have him here. And he just sounded like... You know how Jay can sound fairly optimistic, but who knows from that, right? What Morgan said on Sunday I found particularly interesting, because I don't know if you saw it, Kevin. Morgan came to the podium wearing a Trent Williams jersey. Yeah, I saw and, it. And, and there's, been, there's been a lot of solidarity from players supporting Trent, particularly contractually. I did an interview with Ryan Kerrigan, and he said, yeah, you know, I want Trent here, but I want to be clear that players have this right, and it's the only way things work for us. And listening to Ryan say that, fans might want to be reminded that he only has two years left on his deal, too. Um, but all of that said, Morgan Moses, the thing that stood out for me is that he said, you guys can ask Trent yourselves when he comes through that door. It wasn't an if, it was a when. And that, that's how I've operated with this for, for some time, is that I don't expect to see Trent in Richmond but I do expect to see Trent in Philadelphia by week one. And I have been fairly consistent in thinking, you know, I think that's going to be 75, 80% the case. But in conversations I've had of late, it, it, that's waned a little bit for me. I, I'd say I'm down to maybe 60, 65% that that happens. And, uh, you know, I, I talked with, with one kind of redskin source that I speak with, and I was like, all right, over under August 20th when Trent comes back, because that puts him, he doesn't have to deal with Richmond, he's back when they're in the Ashburn facilities, but it gives him a little bit of time to warm up, maybe a, pre, a little bit of preseason action. And the reply was, August 20th, try August 30th. So I, I do think the timeline on this thing is getting pushed further and further. Well, um, 
Look, there are a couple things I want to get to, including you know how they have gone about trying to replace him in the short term here, and and we'll get to that in a moment. Um, JP, I, I think there there are a couple of really interesting things here, and you said something that made me think about the Morgan Moses wearing the seventy one jersey to the press conference. First of all, personally, I think it's a little bit foolish. It's like wear your own jersey and act like you're the best tackle on the team, and that all's going to be well whether Trent comes back or not. But the fact, and you said this, that there's some solidarity, you know, leads to a potential. Um, a potentially much bigger issue, and that is what Locke and Forrest said and what USA Today reported a year ago You know, through their polling of agents, and that is this lack of trust in Bruce Allen. Um, and, you know, basically viewing him as the bad guy in all of these situations, and if other players feel the same way and feel like Trent is right, um, this is an issue that Dan's got to deal with. Well, and there's a couple of layers to that. It, this may not all be direct. If it's a medical thing, and you consider all of the medical things that have happened in the last two years, Alex Smith gets an infection, Darius Geis gets an infection, Colt McCoy's still dealing with a broken leg from December, and then you have this Trent Williams misdiagnosis, whatever it is, there could be real strife among the players with the medical staff, and they feel like Trent is standing up for them. Morgan kind of alluded to that when he spoke at minicamp. There's also there's something else, that, and, and this to me is one of the more fascinating subplots of all this. When the Kirk Cousins contract drama was going on, we know that ownership supported Bruce, supported, hey, this, this guy isn't worth paying. We know, we know how ownership felt about Kirk, and even though that slowly changed late in his tenure with the Skins, he was always kind of the afterthought to Robert. Trent is nowhere near that. The entire organization understands his role and how good he is, and that includes ownership. I mean, Dan Snyder and Trent Williams have a very strong relationship. So if this really does break down to a Trent versus Bruce thing, I don't know how strong the support will be on the other side of, 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 of Bruce's side. It, it's totally different than the Kirk situation. Yeah, the irony of that, let me just interrupt for one moment, is that <clears throat> there was not a bigger supporter among his teammates than Trent Williams was of Kirk Cousins, publicly. Um, he was the most supportive. He was the one late in that season that said, we have to bring him back. He's our leader. Um, and I, that always stuck out to me because Trent was the leader. You know, Trent was as much of a leader as anybody was in that locker room. And and you're, but you're a hundred percent right. No one is going to mistake the way the organization feels about Trent Williams as a player with the way much of the organization felt, uh, at least front office felt about Kirk Cousins as a player. But I, but you also reminded me of this, and that is during some of those conversations, Kirk referring to Dan as you know, essentially uh, a, a guy that he could really have a conversation with. And, and he spoke glowingly about Dan, but ignored speaking the same way about Bruce. And I think all of this, JP, comes back to, yeah, there's some medical here, but yeah, there's a lot more here than just medical. It is what USA Today's poll reflected a year ago or a year and a half ago. And that is Bruce Allen is not trusted. It's, I mean, considering all that's out there right now, and, and even to a lesser extent, 
everybody, Mason Foster got released the night before training camp, right? It's, it's easy to be outraged if you want to be, but th- those kind of moves happen. Green Bay did the same thing um, with a Pro Bowl D, D- lineman the, the, the next day. But everybody focuses on Mason Foster's comments about fans on social media that happened during the 2018 season. And that was a dumb move by Mason. He acknowledged it. Everybody kind of moved on. But do you remember in 2017 when Mason got put on IR? Oh, yeah. So he, ups- yeah. He, he, went, he went off he went ballistic. about Bruce specifically on social media. Right. And, and so there is a, a, a track record of, of these things happening. I mean, you could take what Scott McLuhan says however you want it to, however, however much weight you want to put into McLuhan's comments put, right? But he's gone out of his way to be incredibly kind and, and say how, how much he enjoyed working with Jay Gruden, how much he enjoyed working with Dan Snyder, and the one name he leaves off is Bruce, too, even though Bruce is the one that hired him when nobody else would give that guy a job. Yeah, I, it's, it's so... I mean, as we're sitting here talking, as often is the case um, when we have conversations, I'm just thinking about so many different things. And and, and it's like I, I had no problem with, with them releasing Mason Foster the day before training camp. That is not an unusual thing in the NFL. We saw it happen the, you know, the same day with Mike Daniels. I, personally, and I said this on the podcast last week, I would have preferred that they kept him through training camp just to make sure that they were okay at the position and that nobody got hurt because they may need him a month from now. You never know. Um, they did, I'm sorry? It's a cold business. That's yeah, and 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 they 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 don't owe him anything. They they picked him up off the scrap heap, and he's earned two deals with this team. Um, and and I'm 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 thinking also, you know, about Bruce. Like, you know, he does these things occasionally that I'm like, yes, I, I like the toughness. You know, I like the fact that he's not succumbing. Like, you know, he and Sh- when both he and Shanahan were here together, if you recall. So much of the fan base wanted them to leave Albert alone, and then they didn't. They said, "Let Donovan McNabb go. Let him find the right team." And 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 the two of them together said, "To hell with that. We're going to try to get something back for him." You know, whereas the era before would have just done the right thing, quote unquote, for Donovan. And would in this particular situation, the old guard. I mean, I'm talking about pre Bruce Allen would have already paid Trent Williams a new deal. Mason Foster would have been released much more in advance of, of training camp. So there are things that I like about their discipline, their financial discipline um, over the last you know nine, ten years. But what, what drives me nuts is that this guy does not clearly have the trust of agents and players. And I think we just saw an offseason where if Landon Collins didn't have this dream of playing for this football team because of his hero, Sean Taylor, they would not have had a very good offseason because coaches don't want to coach here and not many players want to play here anymore. And I think it's because of Bruce as much as anything else. Well, and we know Dan was heavily involved in, in getting Landon Collins' deal done. I right. Mean, they went out to dinner, and, and Dan kind of gave him the full-court press. I, I will say this. I, there are agents I talk to that don't have a negative it, negative interactions with Bruce, that, that, that understand he's just a, a he's a relatively cold-blooded football boss. And I think players know that and aren't going to like it, but I, I think – there are agents out there that have told me this, that, hey, if the, if the money's right, we have no problem dealing with the Redskins. It's a professional relationship. I, not, that doesn't suggest what's happening with Trent doesn't reflect poorly on it overall. And obviously there was the USA Today, um, was the survey or whatever, the poll. But it, 
there were the one thing I had trouble with that, and you know Eric Schaefer. Part of that was also that the Skins front office is like is highly disorganized. Maple Schaefer is not that guy. I mean, you could say what you want about Bruce, but the organizational, the actual, you know, contractual stuff is is, is run on a really high level. All right, um, what have they done? to replace him here over the last few days for you know a lot of the people that really aren't going to pay attention to the day-to-day of training camp and are going to tune in for the regular season. Um, talk about the, the signing that they did complete and the one that's still in flux right now. So they signed, So they worked out a bunch of guys. I mean, over the course of two days, there were probably five or six guys through the door in, in Richmond. And they signed a, a young guy, Corey Robinson, who's bounced around a little bit. He's a depth signing because when you're down there watching practice, especially when they get to the second and third groups, who with 90-man rosters in late July football, you have to rely on all these guys. They just don't have the tackle depth, um, especially as Jaron Christian's just now kind of starting to take reps. So they signed Corey Robinson. He, he can't be the answer. Eric Flowers is absolutely not the answer. I, I think – that's obvious. Like New York let him go, Jacksonville let him go. He came here to play guard. I, I had a member of the Redskins front office tell me that it's unfair what's happening to Eric. He didn't sign up for this. And honestly, I, I don't kind of get the point of him playing left tackle with the first team. You know he's incapable of doing that in real games. <laughs> so whoever you want to try, yeah. whether it's Timon Paris or Catalina or anybody else. Oh, God. And because if here's the thing, Wes Martin, I've been saying for months, is going to be the starter at left guard. Oh, how about how many times the other day Gruden mentioned Wes Martin's name in the same press conference? I counted five times, and I was like, wow, Wes Martin must be making an impression. Well, here's what I'll say. He hasn't he, – he, he's had some bad days, and, and some of that is just going to be a fourth-round rookie guard getting used to the NFL, but – if you sign Flowers to try this experiment, there's no value in him playing tackle. Let him try the guard. Let, like, give him the chance he was supposed to get. I don't know. So far, they're not listening to me on that one. But um, the, the real wild card in this thing is going to be Donald Penn, who right. until the last two years has been incredibly durable. His first seven years in the league in Tampa, he never missed a game. And I think either his first two or three years with Oakland, he never missed a game which is really remarkable for a left tackle. Now, the last two seasons, it, it hasn't gone that way. He only played four games last year. You're talking about a 36-year-old that's available in late July, and this isn't a training camp cut. This is a free agent. So he, 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 no one's going to replace Trent Williams. Trent Williams is one of, if not the best tackle in football. But I think if you get Donald Penn, you get him in shape, he doesn't need to play for you for a month. you got a lot of time. Donald Penn is a guy that if this does go nuclear and Trent's not there in Philly, maybe he can be out there for you. Yeah, I mean, that was the first name that, that Cooley mentioned to me a couple of months ago. And, and by the way, many of you gave me credit for mentioning it. I did mention it on the podcast, but I, I totally credited Cooley for saying Donald Penn would be a great signee. Uh, he's out there, and he's durable, and he's played well recently. Um, and what you really do need, let's be honest, is you need somebody who's actually played left tackle at a high level in a regular season game when you get to Philadelphia. So there's time for that. But let's just, before we move on to the quarterbacks, let's just right now take a guess on what we think happens with Trent Williams. And I just want to throw one possibility out there. And if Bruce is playing it this way, 
Um, If the Redskins are playing it this way, I I don't have a problem with it at all. If they believe that this situation is dire, and I don't know that they believe that, that Trent really does not want to play for, for the Redskins and wants to be traded. They should wait, and they should they should make it. First of all, they should make it clear that he is available. You know, among in league circles, because I think at this point in the season and over the next month, that there will be a deal there that will be very attractive for that player. And and you know, we can talk about what you know the experts think his real value is—a second and a conditional or whatever. A team that believes they can contend. If there's an injury here over the next month, somebody could give up a first for Trent Williams. And if that became available, I would do that deal in a heartbeat if I were Dan and Bruce. A first? Yeah. A first gets very, very interesting. And and Trent is a fantastic player, obviously. But a a first-round pick when they don't have a second-rounder in 2020 and – they are, whether they want to admit it or not, they're in the throes of a rebuild here. If you look around, outside of Kerrigan, Trent, Josh Norman, there aren't a lot of 30-year-olds on the team in starting roles. Haskins is obviously the future. That D-line is young. They're now going with youth at linebacker. Cole Holcomb got a lot of snaps yesterday, which kind of surprised me because I thought Bostic had been playing well. But, you know, they've got young corners they like. So, I think they're trying to rebuild on the fly, and if you can start adding assets, I think it would make sense. I I agree with you 100%, and this isn't helpful to fans that are so tired of this situation already. The Skins should be very patient here because ultimately the the only real – Trent has all the leverage when you watch what's happening on the field, right? There's no question about that. The only real leverage the Skins have in this situation – or the game checks, that the, the actual money when it starts to get paid out in September. And will Trent, it, it's easy to be strong now when you, don't, when you don't really probably want to be in Richmond sweating it out anyway, but is he going to miss game checks? Is he going to miss three game checks? Is he going to miss five? I, I don't know about that. I, I think the money starts to add up, and I, I think at some point he's going to want to be back on the field. I, I am... Two, three months ago, I was kind of ignoring the trade possibility. I, I think as this thing continues, you, you got to start considering it. All right, so what's your guess? I still think he's back. I think he's back before Labor Day, and he's playing left tackle in Philadelphia. Uh, that's my guess, too. I think that's still the highest probability. My preference would be, though, that if somebody gets desperate here over the next month and offers up a first, that they take it and run with it. Um because this is to me, and as you know, it's I've felt like this is about 2021 and beyond. Um, well, and not, how not this year, next year. A trade partner is Houston. So yeah. it's from you right. know, They need tackles. It's such speculation to to kind of suggest that, but you wonder when that stuff starts to look more real. I mean, Houston's a playoff team right now. You add Trent Williams, they might really have something offensively. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, lastly, um, before I let you run, I've already kept you too long. Uh, where is the quarterback competition right now uh, as of July 29th, uh, a few days into camp? Um, it, things got very interesting on Sunday because Dwayne Haskins finally showed everything he has. And it was a very, very impressive outing. Um, he even... Gruden even kind of changed the order of how those guys have been going in late in the session. 
take what you want from this, Kevin, but I don't know that enough people are paying attention that Colt McCoy generally gets the first work with the first team. And, and the reps are getting split up evenly, but I would say that Colt is getting the work with the first team 75% of the time. And then, and then Case gets some. Haskins hasn't gotten much, but because I don't know if it was because he was so dialed in Sunday or because this was all part of their master plan, they made a point to get Haskins some work in a goal line drill with the first team. He looked fantastic. He threw at least three touchdowns. And for the first time, he seemed to really be having fun out there. He was high-fiving guys. He was doing, like, the, you know, the flying chest bump. It was um, – if that Haskins can, can perform at that level steadily, then all of a sudden everything changes. But we, that's been one day out of four. And the other couple days have been bad. So it's important to point that out. I would think – Colton Case are kind of a 1A, 1B right now. Now, Colton had to take a day off, and Gruden said we can't, we're not going to let him go four days in a row. So that's going to kind of be an interesting subplot as we know he's working back from the leg. I believe Gruden, if it's Case or Colt, I think Gruden wants to start Colt. I think a lot of what's going on now in, in having Colt go through all these practices is to prove to everyone else in the building that, that Colt's the guy and they should go with him instead of Case. But there are, are plenty of folks that think Case is certainly right now penciled in as the week one starter. Really interesting um, because, you know, one of the things I've thought about is if Colt or Case were to separate themselves and be the clear-cut week one starter with the quarterback of the future backing up that, that quarterback, we know that this team doesn't like to carry three. You know, Keenum, the, the trade value was like a swapping of a sixth and a seventh, if my memory serves me correctly. And I believe that Keenum's uh, $3.5 million is all base salary. So, and Colt, you know, obviously they could release him as well. If one of those two completely separated themselves from the other, I wonder if... Well, the thing is with Colt, obviously, is the injury history you got to worry about. Um, but I, I wonder whether or not opening day there will be three quarterbacks on the roster. I get I'm, my guess is that there will be, but I think it's not completely out of the realm that one of them could be gone. I totally agree. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shut the door. I'd say it's a slim possibility right now, maybe ten, fifteen percent. But I did Cooley's podcast in. May, after they drafted Haskins, and he was suggesting then that a quarterback could get traded. You look at Baltimore, RG3's already got a broken thumb, and Lamar, with his playing style, you got to wonder if he's going to go 16 games. They need a veteran. Colt or Case could probably fit in what they want to do. You look at Arizona, you got Kyler Murray, who I think is going to be electric. I think it's going to be wild to watch. His backup is Brett Hundley. Case <laughs> Keenum had immense success with Cliff Kingsbury in college. Yeah. He knows that offense. That, that to me, if, if everything breaks right and Haskins, if Haskins wins the job, Kevin, then I think you definitely don't see three quarterbacks. But I, I don't know that it's going to go that far this fast. All right. Um, thanks, as always. Follow JP on Twitter at JP Finley NBCS. Um, all of his stuff is at NBCSports.com uh, uh, slash Washington, NBC Sports Washington. And his podcast, the Redskins uh, Talk podcast, is always available as well. And he and the guys are doing great work down uh, in Richmond. So listen to that as well. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for the time, as always. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, congrats on going back to 980. I'm looking forward to listening to it, walking the dog like I used to. I appreciate it, JP. 
All right, thanks to JP. Always good to catch up with JP. Uh, Launch workplaces in Bethesda. New office space, fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks. Give them a chance. If you live in the upper northwest D.C. area, Chevy Chase, Bethesda, Potomac, just over the bridge in northern Virginia, um, if you live in that general area and you're looking for new office spaces, give the new launch workplaces in Bethesda a shot. Flexible and affordable private office solutions so you can get work done. Again, they've got fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, a cafe, and free parking and plenty of it. You can get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces in Bethesda. Call call today for an exclusive free two-day trial if you mention my name, 240-867-14 or launchworkplaces.com. That's 240 800-6714 or launchworkplaces.com they've got other facilities throughout the area you can find out where all of those are at launchworkplaces.com all right a couple of other things that i wanted to mention uh, that i saw from over the weekend yesterday landon collins sat down with the nfl network at training camp i think it was yesterday um as part of their training camp coverage uh i think he was with mike garofalo uh, from the nfl network um and he was talking um, about the Giants again. Now, he didn't, in fairness to Landon, he didn't bring it up. Uh, Garofalo brought it up, um, saying that, you know, basically, and I'll paraphrase, hey, you know, it's week four, you're facing the Giants, and Dave Gettleman, uh, the guy that didn't re-sign you, that you've, you know, sort of ripped a couple of times here in the offseason, he's walking right by you as you're getting ready for the game and warming up for the game. What would you do? And and Landon Collins essentially, you know, went into detail about how he'd asked one of his defensive position coaches to throw him a pass and that he'd sort of reach for it and barrel over Dave Gettleman. Um, this is old, okay? It's old. Somebody should sit down with Landon and say, Landon, the best mode moving forward is to focus on your new team. Again, he didn't bring it up. The question was asked. He had to answer the question. I just wish occasionally you would get somebody with better sense that would say, you know what, Dave Gettleman has his team. They made their decisions. I'm with this team now. I'm excited about what we're doing here. I've got new coaches, new front front office people. The Giants will be two of 16 games on the schedule. Right now we're trying to get ready for the opener against Philadelphia. Um, I just, I don't, look, Gettleman must be a difficult guy. I mean, I I get it. Odell Beckham Jr. had major problems with him. Josh Norman had major problems with him. Obviously, Landon Collins as well. Um, And maybe he's very difficult. Maybe he doesn't. uh, Maybe he doesn't part ways very professionally um, with the players that he's had under contract. Players that he's drafted. Uh, Maybe there's not, you know. Uh, a, a lot of uh, of 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 style there um, with with his substance, um, and and maybe they can't stand him. That's fine. Um, enough from Landon Collins about the Giants. Enough, you know. And I'm not suggesting again. He brought it up, but if he gets asked about it, focus on your new place of employment, your new team, and get off your old team. They don't matter. And to focus solely on Dave Gettleman and the mistake they made. You know, when you have them two out of 16 games and to talk about them like you have in the past, like I can't wait the eight times I get to play them under this new contract um, and, 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 and get payback. You, you, got, you, you got a lot 
the fish you have to fry over the next four to five years are much bigger than beating the Giants twice a year. Also, I, I found it interesting. Did you see Eli Manning's response to the Beckham Jr. comments about all the primetime games that the Giants got were because of him? And you know, he, there was the GQ article last week, and Beckham said the main reason the Giants kept getting primetime coverage was because of him. Um, uh, Eli was asked about this. Uh, I think it happened on NFL Network, actually, uh, at the end of last week. And he, he said, what did you think about those comments? And he said, quote, I don't think they bothered me. You just kind of shake your head and laugh. I won a few games before he was here. Closed quote. Yeah, uh, he did. Like two Super Bowl games. Now, their defense was awesome. But to get to those Super Bowls, Eli Manning was awesome in those playoffs in those particular years. And let's just remind everybody, if, if you didn't hear me say it the other day or others say it, Odell Beckham Jr. played in one playoff game in New York and was dreadful in the biggest game of his career as a Giant. I, you know, I, but Antonio Brown, did you see him take a hot air balloon into training camp, the Raiders training camp? I, I missed this. Yeah, I mean, I really have this strong feeling that Antonio Brown, as great as he is, that the Steelers are going to thrive without him. And that in New York, even though they've had these injuries to receivers and now they've lost Golden Tate, and they're probably going to be hurting at wide receivers, certainly early early in the season. But long term, they're going to be better off without Beckham Jr., especially with what they got back uh, in trade value. I just have that sense. By the way, I have, I have a strong – I've mentioned Jacksonville and Denver as two teams I like as surprise teams. I think Pittsburgh's going to be good this year. I don't know why they wouldn't be good. Antonio Brown is a superstar. Odell Beckham Jr. is a superstar. But as we've seen over the course of a long period of time, you can win Super Bowls and you can get to the playoffs and be a good, strong postseason performer without one of the three or four elite receivers in the league. You can. In fact, name the last elite receiver in the league that led a team to the Super Bowl. Hasn't happened in a long time. Um, anyway, uh, I yeah, he took a hot air balloon into training camp in uh, in Oakland. I'm sure that's just what uh, just what the Raiders want. Although they they prop. When does Hard Knocks start? I think it's next week. Do, do you think that perhaps the hot air balloon landing uh, with him is part of the first episode? Have have they already been I recording? They, yeah, I assume they start. They they're usually there for the first uh, week or the first day of training camp. Right. Look, I, I don't mind the crazy thing. Like I didn't mind Jalen Ramsey rolling up in the Brinks truck. And... I actually thought that was funnier. Yeah. Um, I... The hot air balloon, you know, is is a higher risk endeavor. I would think. But anyway, I don't think there's a big risk in a hot air Well, here's air the balloon. thing: Antonio Brown and Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, have reputations and have histories of being disruptors, team dis- disruptors, uh, and none of them. Uh, you know, I, I think they're personally, I think the Giants and the Steelers will be better off in the long term without either one of them. And they were able to do pretty well. Certainly the Giants were uh, in the trade. Uh, there were a couple of other things. I wanted to remind everybody that if you missed Tommy Shepard last week on our Wednesday podcast, he was really good. I really like Tommy Shepard a lot. Um, everybody does. I don't know if the Wizards are going to be better off with Tommy Shepard than they were with Ernie Grunfeld. I, you know, th- that's... 
we, we, we've got time to sort that out. But Tommy was very, you know, candid in a lot of his responses and, and he was good. I mean, it, it just, it was a good conversation that lasted, by the way, I think 45 minutes. So if you missed new wizards, GM, Tommy Shepard with us on the podcast last week, go back uh, and listen to that um, from last Wednesday's podcast. Also, the other thing that I was going to mention, um, is that uh, I don't know if you saw this story or not. Did you see the story about the Pac-12 starting games at 9 a.m. local time? I saw that. What? Why would this be a good idea from an attendance standpoint or from a quality of football standpoint? Why would Larry Scott's the Pac-12 commissioner, and they they held their you know kickoff you know press conference. And they're, they're in preliminary discussions about scheduling games to kick off at 9 a.m. Pacific time for TV purposes. Um, and he said, quote, that would be new and out of the box for our conference. I've tried to put everything on the table. There's a lot of frustration from fans in certain markets to the late night kicks. I'd like to see one or two games this season that are 12 noon um, Eastern time. 9 a.m. Pacific time and see what markets might respond positively to that. I got news for you. Nobody's going to respond positively to a 9 a.m. Saturday morning kickoff local time. I mean, I'm up early. I get up super early. If I was really into a team, I certainly would watch a game at 9 a.m. You're not getting me to go to the stadium. One of the great things about college sports, college football in particular, is it is the king of tailgating sports. College football, even more so than the NFL. College football is a weekend that starts on Friday night, that continues on Saturday with tailgates that start early in the morning. And la- you, What time are you going to start your tailgate? 3 a.m. local time? Pretty much. S- dumb idea. Yep. Dumb idea to start uh, a game at 9 a.m. Pacific. And there's no clamoring, by the way, from college football fans to see a Pac-12 game at noon. There's yeah. plenty of football at noon. And great games at noon. I mean, over the years, you know, we've gotten to the point where we have, you know, Three big windows in college football on a college football Saturday. The noon window, the 3.30 window, and then that 7 to 7.30 start time window. And, and then, if especially if you're a gambler, you love the 10.30 Pac-12 games on FS1 or on ESPN. Or the Midnight Hawaii games. Well, the Midnight Hawaii games, if, if you're down to that game, you got an issue. But I've been there many times with I the Hawaii game Hawaii that games. starts early Sunday morning, East Coast time. Do you know um, that we are now uh, basically three, this this coming, well, this is the first week of football. We, we've got a game Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game. I think it's the Falcons and the Broncos. Yes. And we are now less than a month away from a college football Saturday, August 24th. I don't know if you week saw Week zero, yes. Yeah, they, is that what they're call, referring to it? No, yes. it's, it's referred to as week one on well, ESPN. But, but, on ES, but like the kind of the talk, because they did it last year too, where they only had like one or two games this time. There's actually some, but they've called it week zero. There's actually a good game. August exactly. Saturday, August 24th, 7 o'clock ESPN, Miami, the U against Florida, and I think Florida could have a really good team. I, I, we're probably a week away, right, from the polls being released. Um, usually, first week August, maybe mid August, but with this earlier start to the season with games on the weekend of August twenty fourth, I would think that we'd see that poll out uh, a week from now. I love college football, and then the the real week one, I guess, is. Um, you know, Thursday the 29th through Labor Day weekend. And Labor Day weekend includes um, a Saturday night game 
Uh, God, I had that up a minute ago. Um, it's Oregon and Auburn. That's the ABC Saturday night game. Oregon and Auburn. That's the game at Jerry World, I'm pretty sure, um, for, for Saturday night. Uh, other than that, there are a couple of decent week one games, uh, but nothing great. Um, but uh, 12 o'clock window is fine. I don't need West Coast games in my 12 o'clock window. I need West Coast games at 1030. That's when I like my West Coast games. Um, that's when I like my Pac-12 games. Even though we have not gotten here, at least on Comcast, the Pac-12 network. It's the one that we have. We haven't gotten the Longhorn network and haven't gotten the Pac-12 network. I'm assuming that local cable operators are going to have the ACC network when it launches in two weeks. I assume so. I, I don't know to be, for right? sure, but I, I assume so. Yeah, they've got to have the D.C. Baltimore market. You would think. I and. If I they mean, don't, there's the nothing the Big Ten network. Trouble. There's nothing the Big Ten network could do to prohibit. No, no. These cable operators. No, it's just about do do the cable networks think there's enough demand for it right. in DC and Baltimore, which I would assume there is. Uh, last thing that I wanted to mention before we we leave for the day, Tommy will be in tomorrow. Um, Tim Bontemps, who does he still write for the Post or not? The NBA writer. He's actually very good. I've always had, for whatever reason, a difficult time getting him on shows. I've asked him before, and it, it just never seems to work out. I think I had him on the radio show, but I don't think he's ever been on the podcast. Anyway, I think he's a good writer. Um, you know, I, I've watched him on TV during the NBA uh, season. He's pretty decent on TV. He polled himself 20 league execs um, asking who the best player in the NBA was. Um, and he put this out, I think, on Friday. Um, maybe been Friday. And of the 20 league execs asked who the best player in the NBA was, 12 of the 20 said Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. Six said Giannis is the best player in the NBA. And two said James Harden. Nobody said LeBron James. Nobody said Kevin Durant. I was really surprised by the results of that because I, first of all, I'm the biggest Kawhi Leonard fan, have always been, and I do believe that he's one of the best three players in the game. I don't think he's the best player in the game. I mean, he certainly proved to be a top three player with what he did in the postseason this year. I, I think we saw enough from Giannis in the postseason to believe that there's great potential for Giannis down the road, but he is not the best player in the NBA right now. He's not. And he got six of the 20 votes. And then James Harden got two votes for being the best player in the league. Would you rather have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, or James Harden? And it was it was simply framed as best player, not player you want to start a franchise with or Who's anything like that? Who's the best player in the NBA? That's weird. Right now. Um, I was stunned by those results. I would have thought LeBron certainly at this point still would have gotten votes. And, and you know, next year we may see a totally different LeBron with, with the team that he has, um, you know, in, in Los Angeles with Anthony Davis. Um, but LeBron, I, I, I still would have thought that somebody or at least a few people would have still said LeBron is the best player in the league. I definitely would have said, and maybe they were you know, considering health with Durant, but that's not really, I don't think, the way the question was framed. But I thought somebody would have said Kevin Durant's the best player uh, in the league. Um, Kawhi Leonard getting 12 votes was a surprise. LeBron not getting one was a shocker. 
James Harden getting two was a surprise. Look, Giannis is has the potential to become the best player in the league. Look, I think Anthony Davis, it wouldn't have surprised me if somebody had said Davis is the best player in the league. Just one. Um, but no LeBron? Shocker to me. Kawhi getting 12 of the 20 votes? It just was a big surprise for me. Um, all right, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, rate us and review us. Uh, if you haven't done so, uh, also subscribe really helps us out. Doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, have a great day back tomorrow with Tommy.